I'm Dr. Nadine Gonzalez de Jesus, president of San Antonio College. And today with us, we have Taylor Foots, Exhibit Space Supervisor with SACAM, the San Antonio African-American Community Archive and Museum. And welcome back to Front and Center, where we talk about San Antonio College news, trends in higher education, and the community, because we are the community. Joined here this morning with Dr. Nadine Gonzalez de Jesus. Good morning. Good morning, Hutmaster. How are you today? I'm doing great. Doing great. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Well, as you already know, we are in the month of February. Yes. Which has been designated as Black History Month, and we're so excited within our district and more specifically at San Antonio College for all the wonderful things that we will be doing this month in celebration as we embrace Black History Month and everything that pertains to Black history and its impact on U.S. history. Yes. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. So I have here with me Ms. Taylor Foote from SACAM, that is the San Antonio African American Community Archive and Museum SACAM, S-A-A-A-CAM, C-A-M. Hi, Taylor. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am great. So tell us a bit about the work that you do at SACAM. So at SACAM, just as an organization, we're all about collecting, preserving, and sharing the stories of African-Americans from the South Texas region. So that is really the bulk of our work. We go out into the community and we really try to get people's stories and share them with others before they're lost in their own families because it's so important to preserve those. Awesome. Awesome. And tell us about your role as it pertains to the art of archiving histories. My role, I guess specifically, is more connected to the sharing part of archiving histories. I am the exhibit space supervisor, so it's my job to guide people when they come to our actual museum and help them learn more about stories that they may be interested in based on the information that we have on the walls, help them explore certain topics a little bit deeper. If they are themselves interested in preserving their own family history or um, archiving something that's important to them, leading them to other people on our team who can help them do that. How did you get started at SACAM? I used to be an English teacher in Spain, actually. And one summer I came home. My father's in the military, so he retired here in San Antonio. And I was looking for a job over the summer that was connected to culture or art because um, I'm very interested in those two things. And just also as an African-American, I felt a bit disconnected from my own understanding of my history and my culture. And I was talking to my dad about that, and he mentioned that he knew about SACAM and knew that they were hiring. And so the museum opened up in 2021, so this was the first time that they were expanding their team. And I applied as a gallery attendant, and I got the job. I'm interested in hearing about what exactly it is that um, has inspired you. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a bit about the stories that you have been able to guide the audience, you know, the people that come through. What are some of the ones that has inspired you the most? Oh, okay. This is actually fairly easy. One of the most inspiring stories to me is the story of Hattie Briscoe. She was essentially a teacher in San Antonio. She was teaching cosmetology at Phyllis Wheatley High School. She was unjustly fired. Because of that, it pushes her to pursue 
a law degree, actually, from St. Mary's. And uh, she goes on to become the first black female graduate from St. Mary's and um, is the only black female attorney in Bear County for almost 30 years. And when you start to learn kind of the more in-depth and intricate details of her story, it's just as a black woman, it's so inspiring to me that she was just treated so wrongly and so unfairly. And um, that pushed her to overcome several major barriers. So I love her story. I also really love Mary Lillian Andrews' story. She was a 17-year-old activist who really helped desegregate lunch counters here in San Antonio just by writing letters. And I'm always very inspired by youth who are able to take their feelings and use it to drive them towards something greater when maybe adults might be more fearful of that. That's amazing. San Antonio, you know, we're like the cultural hub of Texas. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, and being here in San Antonio, you know, growing up, I, I can't remember any places that really put on display black history in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And so when I came across SACAM, I was like, how come we haven't been running spots for them before? How come I never had them on my show? Right. And it's a fairly new nonprofit organization. It was yes. barely started back in 2017. Yes. How did it come to be? So in 2017, it was started by two men named Everett Fly and George Frederick. Everett Fly was a, an architectural historical preservationist, and he was really concerned with saving black spaces just across the country, actually. Um, and he met George Frederick, who was running a ministry out of one of the Sutton homes here in San Antonio, the Suttons being a prominent black family here. And they teamed up together. And actually, the tricentennial was happening in San Antonio in about 2018. During the prep for all of that, they realized that the city really didn't have a lot of information or any way to highlight kind of the impact of black people here in San Antonio. And so they took it upon themselves to create SACAM as a way to educate more people about the just very rich legacy of African-Americans here. It was kind of sad to see that the MLK Commission uh, is not going to be rescheduling the MLK March this year. Yes. Um, it, it's one of the biggest in the nation. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely next year, we're going to be back out there. We're going to be at it again. Mm -hmm. Both of you all had the, the chance to attend Nikki Giovanni. Oh, my goodness. Yes. yes. How was it? I left there just overly inspired. I She is so authentic and especially as a black woman, you know, I feel like it's easy to become, again, fearful of expressing um, what you actually think and how you feel. And she, she's not. She doesn't mince her words. And she's very clear about what she thinks. And I thought that was amazing. I think that's great because at times we tend to think of others in ways that we necessarily do not want to talk about mm -hmm. just because of the color of their skin mm. uh, or because of how they look or because of how they sound. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed how frank she was mm -hmm. and at the same time so down to earth in explaining that, hey, we are all human beings, right? And all of us need a sense of belonging. All of us have our, our own issues to deal with, our battles. And there are many times that we don't take the time to think about what others might be going through. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but many times we tend to not listen. 
we sometimes think that we're listening, but just taking the time to listen, to understand Mm -hmm. and to listen, to have a clear understanding of what others might be going through or what they mean by Mm -hmm. what they say. It's something so important in order for us to truly have the type of understanding Mm -hmm. and conversations that truly lead to peace and peacemaking. To healing. She talked a lot about how Blacks weren't allowed to read or write. And so through song, they were able to share their stories. And she was mentioning her grandfather and saying um, she was wearing his tie as a way to honor him and how we collect stories and share them as a way to kind of preserve the people that we love. Um, And I thought that was just so beautiful. That's right. That's right. It's important to know that Blacks, as they came from Africa, or they were brought from Africa. Let's just put it that way, yeah, right? dragged. That's right. They were dragged. They were brought to the New World. Mm-hmm. When we think about that, it wasn't just in the U.S., it was also in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And as a Black Hispanic mm-hmm. that I am, I must say that I can identify to the struggles that Black Americans have had in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It has not been easy, right? Someone of color coming in and trying your very best to do what you need to do and still be responsive to the needs of everyone while at the same time being uh, misunderstood Mm. and misinterpreted. And that is the risk that we live as women of color You don't know what you don't know unless you walk in our shoes. And walking in our shoes is so important to having a clear understanding about the issues that we have to face day to day, day in and day out. Mm. I would like to find out more about your experiences as a woman of color who lived abroad, worked abroad. Now you live here in the U.S., You are from the U.S. I need to hear your story, Mm. the Taylor Foote story. Mm. That's something I'm still really working on getting clear for myself, my own story. Actually, as you were talking about um, how important it is for people to learn about walking in other people's shoes, like that's the only way to understand. I started to think about how if we don't do the work to preserve our own stories, then there's nothing for anyone else to learn and and walk in later on. But it's very difficult. You know, there's a lot of things that we choose not to remember or things that we we want to move on from. Being a a woman of color abroad was very interesting. It was very fun. I did experience some difficult situations. When I first moved to Spain, I was at a restaurant with some friends and I was learning Spanish. I'm pretty fluent, but not perfect, so nobody tests me. I was at a restaurant with some friends and the waiter came up to us and was basically saying in Spanish that you guys have been here before and you didn't pay your bill. And so now you need to pay before you eat today. Me and my friends, it was two black women and a Mexican woman. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we just moved here to this country. We've never eaten at this restaurant ever. Right. The waiter got really upset and then the manager came out and, and he said he believed his waiter and he didn't care what we were saying. And, and we ended up leaving. But for the most part, I liked living abroad. It, it's a very interesting way to learn about yourself, to throw yourself into a situation where everything feels unfamiliar. Especially, I lived there during COVID. I was working there during COVID too. So... It forced me to 
find a community of people who were similar to me and in so many different ways, actually, besides just being a person of color, Mm -hmm. um, just on a different life path. So absolutely. I don't know. I learned a lot there and I really enjoyed my time there. That's great. So I I want to talk a bit more about how we preserve our story, Mm. our own story. For example, in my life, the way I preserve it is I speak to my kids about my story, Mm -hmm. about my mom, my mom's mom, the mother of the mother of my mom, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) So again, you go back, way back, and you try to tell these stories as much as you can so that they remain in their in their minds and their hearts and it's part of who they are right it's part of their growth and it helps to form their values and form their perspectives on life and i'm asking you now how do you preserve your story the right. taylor foot story one of my favorite ways to preserve my own story is journaling actually journaling my own experiences and getting clear with myself on how I'm feeling about how things are going and and what I'm curious about and just a genuine record of my life. The other way I preserve my story is, so my mother passed away in 2020. I realize now, especially with my job, that there's such a huge opportunity that was missed there for her own stories because everything that happened in her life kind of affects me and how I was raised and things like that. So now that's made me very diligent about talking to my grandmothers, talking to my grandfathers. I love hanging out with them anyway, but now I'm, I'm a bit more pointed with my questions mm-hmm. and, I, and I love to record them as they're speaking to me. And I'm just like, tell me everything. Yes. What's going on? What happened with this and what happened with that? And I go back and I listen to the recordings and it creates such a new level of connection and understanding with my family members who are yes. in such different generations and have such different understandings of life than me but also helps me understand kind of myself better and why I am the way I am, why I do the things that I do. So that's a bit how I preserve my own story. That's great. I know that you taught in Spain. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how you were able to interact with others to inform them about who you were as Mm -hmm. a person, get what you needed to get done, Mm -hmm. but in a way that would dismantle their preconceived ideas about you? My answer to that is maybe not something that I love, but I think at least for me personally, it was coming from a very nice place. I I had to be overly nice, overly friendly, overly accommodating so that people could feel not scared or um, not disturbed. And so my school that I was teaching at, I was the only black teacher um, and there were only a few black students and um, I never wanted anyone to feel uncomfortable so if you wanted to touch my hair if you wanted to oh say something oh my gosh like, talk about it come I on I was like okay sure because I, I wanted I also wanted to feel safe in these situations so I carried the burden to to do that to make that space for everyone which is why I said I don't love my answer because I don't think it should always be on the person of color to like create this environment where everyone feels. It shouldn't be always on the person of color or on the person that may not fit the mold of the society in which they're in, Mm -hmm. in order for them to try every single time Mm -hmm. to accommodate, 
to be flexible, to, to be bridge. overly nice, mm-hmm. to be the ones creating the bridge, mm-hmm. to to say, it's okay. Oh, you didn't offend me. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's all right if you want to touch my hair. Or when they come to you and they say, oh, your hair looks nice mm-hmm. or it looks different mm-hmm. or it's... And you're saying, yes, mm-hmm. that's because we use curling irons yes. and we have to use a special treatment. Yeah. And it might look different today yeah. and tomorrow it may look different. <laughs> again, yeah. Hair textures is a thing for us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So again, when we talk about over explaining ourselves, mm. that is exhausting. Yeah, it's so exhausting. And I think there's another layer on top of that because we're women, you know? Yes. So, yes. yes. The same thing that they might hear from someone else that might be a male. <laughs> it's all right. But if you're a woman mm-hmm. and on top of that, a woman of color mm-hmm. that is assertive, mm-hmm. it might be misinterpreted as something else. Mm-hmm. Right? We are human beings and we sometimes fear or question the unknown. I want to go to the fact that Sakem is located at La Villita, 218 South Presa. And the exhibit space is open, Taylor, Monday through Saturday, mm-hmm. 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Yes. Or Sundays, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And they have a lending library and a patio. We do. I love our little exhibit space. Yes, we're open seven days a week and we're free. And our lending library is full of wonderful books for children of all ages, even adults. And they can come out, grab a book, read on our patio and stop inside. A fun, free day in La Vita. Very nice. And, and so right now, the, the space you're in, 715 square feet. Square feet. Yes, sir. Um, but y'all are looking to move into a bigger space. We are. 103,000 square feet. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so we recently purchased the Cress and Grant buildings downtown on East Houston Street. We're very excited to move there. We'll have 20,000 square feet of exhibition space, and we'll have a way to do public programming. We'll have an auditorium where we can do lectures and book readings, and we'll have a speakeasy slash lounge. So, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. We'll have classrooms. I'm trying to think that's... And in the cafe, space. right? And yeah. the, uh, mm-hmm. I think this is very cool. Yes, the cafe is a huge, important part. Kind of even why we chose to purchase this building specifically in the first place, because there were sit-ins held at these lunch counters. And um, we'll be flipping the narrative of that space by creating a black chef in residency program at those same lunch counters. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to know that on Saturday, the 10th of February, from 1.30 to 3.30 again, on Saturday, the 10th of February, 1.30 to 3.30, there will be a Black History River tour. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a bit more about the tour? Yeah, so it's about um, 100 minutes on San Antonio's River, and you cruise along and you just learn about a lot of black history that you probably wouldn't have heard about before you came to our establishment. Definitely not your traditional river ride in the San Antonio River. This is a history tour. SACAM hosts several of these tours throughout the year. Yes. You also have story time coming up on March 5th. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your film series, Mm -hmm. one film a month, and the next one coming up 
is going to be March 6th on Wednesday. And it is Woman in Motion. Yes. Woman in Motion. That sounds exciting. Yes. We also have an art market that's coming up to celebrate Black History Month. It will be on February 24th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. to celebrate the theme of Black History Month this year, which is African-Americans and the arts. I love that. And if we wanted to get in touch with SACAM, how do we get in touch with you? So you could go to SACAM.org. And you could fill out a contact form and the appropriate person would reach out to you. But if you want to contact me directly, you could just email me. And my email is exhibitsoup, that's E-X-H-I-B-I-T-S-U-P at SACAM.org. And SACAM is S-A-A-A-C-A-M. Again, to get in touch with them and find out more about the archive and museum, please go to S-A-A-A-C-A-M dot org. That is S-A-A-A-C-A-M dot org or SACAM dot org. Yes, make sure you have all the A's. It's easy to forget. <laughs> it's three A's, three A's. <laughs> That's good to know. And we'll definitely have a link on the uh, the show description and on KSYM.org. All right. Absolutely. Taylor, it has been fascinating and refreshing to have you here today. Thank you so much much for sharing your story, your perspective, and also for allowing us to dive deeper about the lives of people of color Mm. in our nation and the complexities and the layers of our daily interactions in our society. Thank you once again. Thank you so much, Dr. Gonzalez, for even letting me come here today. I really enjoyed it. You've blessed us with your presence. Have a great day. You too. This is Front and Center, recorded at the KSYM Studios on the San Antonio College campus. Front and Center is available on Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and airs Monday mornings at 8.30 on KSYM 90.1 FM in San Antonio. More information on Front and Center is online at ksym.org.